Uh, let's open up in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time, dear God, that you've given us to fellowship in your word. Thank you for your love of us, your children. Father, many times we don't understand and appreciate your love. Many times, dear God, we don't understand your love. God, give us give us what we need, dear God, to comprehend you. Help us understand that you have given us what we need to comprehend you. Take now your word, dear God, and consider the good soil of our hearts. Cause your word, dear God, to grow and to grow strong. Cause it to bear fruit that you would be pleased with. Father, bless your word and bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was at a, well, before I do that, I would like to start out with a statement. And um, if I may make an advertisement for tonight, um, I'm not sure if we're going to get through the full sermon this morning, um, even though we're going till three o'clock. <laughs> now I'm teasing. Um, so I'm going to implore you, if you would, um, make plans to come out to get the rest of the teaching uh, this evening. But <laughs> I'm getting some strong encouragement here this morning to preach it all. We'll see what happens, brother. My responsibility as a Christian is to make certain that I am being filled to overflowing every day with the Holy Spirit so that as I so that as I go about, I might splash out on someone, anyone, the reality of Christ who lives in me. My responsibility as a Christian, as a child of God. is to make certain that I am being filled to overflowing with God's Spirit so that as I go about and as I meet anyone, someone, I might splash out on them the reality of Christ who lives in me. I was at a church Little country church in Durham, North Carolina. It was a special day in the church. We didn't know we were visiting. And uh, they were having some eats and that sort of thing uh, after the service. And the pastor invited uh, the lady who was in charge of hospitality. She, he invited her up. And she was going to sell the events that were to occur after the service. And um, in her zeal, 
Uh, now you got to understand, this is a country church way out in the sticks. And she said, well, pastor, we got some Holy Ghost filled collard greens. She said, we got some anointed fried chicken. <laughs> and she just went on. I tell you, by the time she was finished, I was like, pastor, shut up. Let's go eat. But we throw the terms anointing and being filled and abiding. We throw these terms around a lot. And sometimes it's misused. Sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we kind of hear it and we say, And it appears as if there is some confusion as to what it is, what do you do with it. Uh, I I had the experience of uh, living in the Berry Islands for two years and a brother picked me up one morning and he said, Patrick, I'm going to teach you how to uh, 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 experience the anointing. And me being hungry for the things of the Lord, me uh, in my desire to want to grow spiritually, brother picked me up and took me on the beach. And we started walking down the beach early in the morning. And he said, Patrick, now just, just, just concentrate. Just, just think. I, I won't tell you what happened after that, but needless to say, that wasn't it. I left the brother on the beach with his eyes closed tight. I don't think to this day he realized what happened. I just left. I got out of there. It felt weird. It wasn't right. So what is it? What What do we mean? What What is the responsibility of a Christian uh, with regards to being filled with this Anointing with uh, uh, abiding. Is it something that you 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 sit around and you wait on? Is it? Um, do you get it at birth? Um, is you know? I've been asked these questions, but before we do that, let's understand this whole. Well, let's set the stage if we could. In the Old Testament. God had his chosen men. Take, for example, Abraham, Moses, David, Samuel. Each of them were God's special man for that special time in the history of Israel. And no one would argue that each of them had the Spirit of God, because that's what Scripture said. They had the Spirit of God uh, in them, working in them and through them, and God was glorified. They were able to operate uh, under God's power. And sometimes we sit down and we read Scripture and we look at the lives of Moses and Abraham and the Jobs and all those heroes of the faith, and we say to ourselves, "Boy, I wish I had a faith like Moses." You ever been there? I, I wish I, I wish I had um, uh, 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 the character of David for God to say David was a man after God's own heart. To be able to have God say, um, like Abraham, that Patrick was a friend of God. Do you, do you ever sit and, and think that? Let me see some head shake. Yes. 
So how do you get it? What do you do? Do you, do you go and vote? Uh, do you have to sign something? Well, let's look at scripture. Um, turn with me to the Gospel of John. And hopefully we can take some of the myth out of this stuff. Some people would say, well, I don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit and all that sort of stuff because that kind of spooky and I don't want to talk about it and I don't understand it and nobody understands it, etc., etc. Jesus, on the night he is to be betrayed, Judas has been excused from the meeting and Jesus in an effort to give or impart some final words to the eleven. In the Gospel of John, John chapter 14, sorry, in John chapter 13, um, verse 31, you don't have to turn there, we're going to get, we're going to start with John chapter 14. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, this is right after Judas has been excused, Jesus says, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, Jesus says, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And of course the discourse goes on, well Jesus, where are you going? Well, and he tells them, turn over to chapter 14, verse 1, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Um, down in verse 6, Jesus says to them, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and is it enough? And it is enough for us. Jesus says to him, Have I been so long with you, yet you have not come to me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Again, picture the mood. This is Jesus' final night with his disciples. He's giving them some last minute instructions. Judas is gone. Jesus says in verse 10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his work, or his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, otherwise believe because of the works themselves. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Drop down to verse 15. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. 
That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him, that is the helper, or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Jesus, again, encouraging his disciples. He's saying, I'm going, but I'm going to send another one just like me. This one won't walk side by side just like Jesus, just like I, Jesus, was walking with you. This one's going to be walking in you, with you, the whole time. This is an exceptional time within the body of Christ. He goes on to say, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Go over to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. I get excited when I read this passage because, you know, before I'd read this and this is really sad time. And if you watch it on any of the um you know, Jesus movies that they bring on during the Easter, uh, TBN or INSP. You know, it's a really heavy time. It's a, a weepy time. And you tend to want to weep with him. Good night. Jesus is going. He's leaving. And I don't think the disciples realized at this time what Jesus was actually doing. I'm going, but I'm going to leave you another one just like me. Of the same kind. Only he's going to be in you. Wow. Drop to chapter 15 verse 26. Jesus goes on to say. He says when the helper. That's the Holy Spirit. When the helper comes. Whom I will send to you from the father. That is the spirit of truth. Who proceeds from the father. Guess what he's going to do. He will testify about me. What was Jesus doing as he walked here on earth? He was pointing man to who? To God. And Jesus was saying to his disciples, listen, it's going to continue. The Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, whom I'm going to send, whom God is going to send, he is going to continue doing that. He's going to bear witness of God. But he's now going to do it through you. Chapter 16, Jesus goes on, verse 7, he says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. 
all things that the Father has in mind. Therefore, I said he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Listen. It breaks my heart that Jesus had to leave. But I'm so glad that he did. Because of what he left for us. What he left for you and I. Do you realize he's, we have his spirit? Do you realize that we have God himself living in us? Okay. Turn over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. I remember sitting down in a little Baptist church in Fox Hill. Third pew from the front to the right. I would sit with my grandmother along with my brothers and I. And there would be certain songs my grandmother would love to sing. They would sing songs like the old rugged cross. And whenever those songs would be sung, she would just close her eyes somewhere in the middle of that song. And the tears would start. And I always remember tugging on her, Mama, 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 why are you crying? It wasn't loud and boisterous. It was just a, a sweet, somber sorrow. And she would look down at me and she'd say, Son, one of these days, one of these days, you're going to understand. And there are times, she's gone home to be with the Lord now, and at times I just wish I could just shout out to Mama, Mama, I understand. Let me show you what happened to us, according to Ephesians. If you ever want to study when it's raining and you're locked inside and you can't get out of the house, take the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, and take a little pen or pencil and circle all the references to in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved. It'll bless you like never before. Seeing as we don't have time to do that, let's look at it briefly. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is speaking to the saints in Ephesus. The faithful saints in Ephesus. He says, grace to you and peace from God the Father. Blessed be, verse 3, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wow. And he goes on to list some of those spiritual blessings. For example, in verse 4, he talks about God choosing us. God making us holy and blameless. In verse 5, he talks about how we've been predestined to adoption. In verse 6, he talks about his grace. Uh, in verse 7, he talks about how we have been redeemed. We have been bought. We've been completely forgiven. As a matter of fact, listen to verse 7. He says, in him, in Christ, we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which, which God lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us 
the mystery of his will. According to the kind intention which he purposed. Prior to this, folks, that's what it was. This whole salvation thing was a mystery. In Genesis chapter 15, Scripture says, I think in verse 6, that Abraham believed and it was counted as righteousness or was reckoned as righteousness. Many of us believe that was the point that Abraham got saved. He came to the full conviction that what God was showing him, that what God had said to him was absolutely true and convinced in his heart he believed. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you with a seed. If you read it in Galatians chapter 3, that seed, Scripture says, was Christ. Abraham, centuries before, heard the gospel. God says, I am going to bless this word with this world with a seed. It's Christ. And Abraham believed. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. He goes on, in him, verse 13, in Christ, in Christ, you and I, you could put your name there. In Christ, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed up in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. You know what happened? You want to know what really happened? I'll tell you when it happened for me. Third grade, Nassau Christian Academy. Any any old crusader alumni in here? Amen, amen, amen. Third grade, gentleman by the name of Ron Comfort, evangelist. Oh, he was a fiery preacher. Let me put that on pause and give you some history. I was a good kid. No, really. Um, I was the oldest of three boys. And um, we were all good kids. No comments, please. In the community of Fox Hill... See them Johnson boys? Oh, yeah, good boys. I've even seen parents slap their boys. Why you can't be like them Johnson boys? And of course, in my five, six, seven-year-old pride, <laughs> I was a good kid. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Right away, ma'am. Right away, sir. Knew how to talk. Knew to talk. And see, you got to understand, in our family, being good was easy. Because I had a grandmother who would wear you out. I had a mother who would come behind her and then finish wearing you out. You know the kind of beating you get when you're so breathless, the oxygen mass and the plane that dropped down in front of you, you gotta... It wasn't pleasant, so being good was, was the only option. You, you understand? I mean, you just didn't want to be bad. I was walking home one day from St. Anne's, third grade, I'll never forget it. I hear this commotion going on in the yard. 
My grandmother's going at every boy in the yard. I mean, she is just a fuss, and you could hear it. No, Mama, I can do it again. She's just tearing at anybody. I fix my clothes because I'm walking home from school, and I feel good because I'm like, whew, I can dodge this bullet. I bust up in the yard. I say, good afternoon, Mama. She says, come here. She says, if you was here, you would have been dried up with him, and she beat me too. No, serious. So being good was, well, with the exception of that day. So I get to NCA, and here's this man saying that my goodness is filthiness before God. Oh. Yeah, hit me square in the chest. This man was saying that if I died, I would bust hell wide open. You can't say that. You don't know how good I am. I pick money up off the floor and I give it back to the people. I pick fruit for people. We upstanding people in the Fox Hill community. Surely that should give me some credit before God. But let me tell you something, by the time that man was finished, I couldn't wait for the altar call. I was walking on people. Listen, get away, I'm heading down the aisle. For the first time in my life, I realized how sinful I was. God in his sovereignty turned my head towards him. And I got a glimpse of who God was. People might challenge me and say, oh, Patrick, you're too young to understand. I'll concede that. Through the course of my life, especially during my teenage years, I recommitted. But let me tell you something. I became aware of sin that day in third grade. I think in that third grade, yeah, I did so much confessing. Oh, bad thought. Oh, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. Sometimes I wish I can go back to that time in my walk with the Lord because it was so pure, it was so genuine. But according to Ephesians, enough of that for now, according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14, listen to what it says. It says, in Christ, you, Patrick, when Patrick listened to the message of the truth, Patrick heard the gospel. Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for a sinner like me. He was buried. And three days later, God in his sovereignty, in his majesty, in his might, raised Jesus up again, giving me the hope of eternal life. According to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, when I listened to that message and I believed, I became convinced in my heart that that was true. And I ordered my life accordingly. Listen to what the rest of the scripture says. Says in him, Patrick, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of our salvation, or the gospel of his salvation, having also believed, he was sealed up in Christ with the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what happened.
here's me before salvation. Empty. <laughs> kind of good looking. But empty. Just a vessel. I heard the gospel. I heard the gospel. Maybe not the first time. Might have been the second or third. Might have been the hundredth time. But I heard the gospel. And I came to the place of belief. And according to Ephesians chapter 1. When I believed. This is what happened. And I got to be careful here because I did this at a youth group and someone said, oh my goodness, I'm going to turn into jello. Here's you. Sealed up in Christ with the Holy Spirit. Sealed. Now, I know him, so if it's spill on him, we're still friends. But what if I do it to somebody I don't know? He's sealed. You now have that what Christ had promised his disciples in the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and chapter 15 and chapter 16. He says, I will send you Another one just like me. Paul tells the saints, he says, you've been sealed up in Christ with the Holy Spirit. You can't lose it, folks. I shouldn't say that, hey. Just to add insult to injury, I'll say it again. You can't lose it, why? Because you've been sealed. Jesus made it all possible for us to enjoy this. What does this mean? This means I have the Spirit of God living in me. This is what I used to be. Here I did my own thing. My own righteousness. I, I, I did all kind of things here. Don't ever repeat this, but I remember one time as a child, I'm going to think that this was pre-salvation at this point. I can't remember too well. But the, the, the jitney buses used to pass my grandmother's house. And um, us good boys, well, see, you have got to understand, my grandmother had a lot of fruit trees in, in the yard. And, you know, as four or five, six boys in the yard, they can only be up to no good. And we would take the rotten fruit. And as the bus would go past, um, we would have softball practice. We would just, we'd just launch it at the bus. Don't try that at home, folks. Right here. You just do whatever comes to your mind. You do stupid things. Now understand, here... You can do the stupid things as well, can't you? 
Anybody saved in here who's done something stupid? Don't don't raise your hand. Don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> what does this give me? What does this give me? A little fire insurance? That's what I used to think. I thought that now that I'm saved, whew, man, I miss hell. I, I, I so wish someone had said, Patrick, let me take this, let me take you a step further. See, here, now I'm, ama- now I'm aware of sin. Here, I am aware of a lot of things around me, right and wrong. Patrick, you shouldn't do that. Patrick, fight fairly. Let me ask you some things. Help me out with this one. In Christ, sealed up in Christ with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a couple of questions. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Scripture says, don't you know that your body is the temple where the Spirit of the Lord lives? It says, therefore, glorify God in your body. Correct? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. When I'm riding my bicycle, trying to get some exercise, let me ask you, where's the Spirit of God? A little louder. Just say, in me. In me, right? Uh, when I'm out in my garden, pulling weeds, where's the Spirit of God? We're talking about believers now. Folks who have been genuinely born again, correct? Okay. Um, when I am... Um, uh, here's my favorite. When you're in traffic, <laughs> seven thirty in the morning, where's the spirit of God? Oh, come on now, y'all getting a little quiet on me. <laughs> Someone said he's supposed to be in you. Okay, <laughs> we may have left him home, right? No, you can't leave him home. Why? Because he's been sealed. Correct? See, I'm trying to dispel some some myths. It seems as if some people say, well, you could take him off and put him on. No, he, he goes with you. As a matter of fact, to be quite honest, God doesn't see Patrick anymore. What does he see? Or who does he see? He sees a seal. Look at verse 14. It says, he is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Listen, I am so happy that when God sees me, he really doesn't see me. He sees his pledge, his his promise that I should kill this boy, but he's got the blood of my son on him. Now that helps here. Because where is he when I'm watching television? Talk to me. Alright? That's when I'm watching Sesame Street, right? What about when I'm watching something I really shouldn't be watching? Where might he be? Come on. Fellas, when we on the computer, 
on the internet. And nobody's watching over our shoulder. Where is he? I got one more question. I've been made to understand that husband and wives argue from time to time. Well, Lisa and I, we never argue. Yeah, we just fuss. <laughs> Where's the Spirit of God when we're having those healthy, lively, provocative debates? He's right there. He's right there. He's right there. He's right there. I'm going to end right here. I'm going to invite you back out tonight because I believe God wants us to live better than this. I believe he wants us to live so much better than this. If you can't make it out tonight, you slip me $20, I'll tell you what the secret is. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1 says this as I close. Verse 25 of this church, Paul says, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your behalf, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints. Here's the mystery. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this ministry, or this ministry, sorry, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Don't let anybody mislead you and tell you you have to do something extra. To get the Holy Spirit. Don't let anybody mislead you and say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit is only for certain people. I was told at one point that only the pastor is supposed to have the Holy Spirit. The rest of y'all got to suffer through. No, serious. And you can't imagine the joy on my face when... Reading scripture for the first time, studying scripture for the first time, and being able to say, Oh my goodness! Christ in you. The hope. The hope of glory. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time of encouragement in your word. 
And as I asked, dear God, earlier that you would prepare the good soil of our hearts, I ask even now, dear God, that you would continue to prepare the soil like only you can. Fill me, dear God, fill us all to overflowing with the knowledge of your will. Cause us to be able to stand and walk in a manner that's pleasing to you. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you for all that you've done in making what we have today possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.